if uh, where we're called to be in life, how to get there, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so for this last sermon, as we land the plane this morning, I want to talk, do a little bit of a reality check as to where our time is actually going. Again, we, like in calling, this idea of calling, it's like this is where I want to be, this is where this is the type of life I want to live. But then there's, there's also a stark reality of where our time actually goes. And there's a study that was done in the UK, so you know, we'll see how different we are from the Brits. In this case, I don't think it's that much. That analyzed, uh, uh, you know, put our life in hours, how much time we spend doing different activities in hours and in percentages. And I'm going to share that on a slide today. And, and, and just so you know, some of it you will be surprised by. Some of it you will not be. For, for instance, like this first one, go ahead and put that slide up. The very biggest category, as you, one could guess, is what? Sleeping. It's, of course, sleeping. We spend 33% of our lives, and this is uh, based on the life expectancy of about 79 years, which is 79 years, years in Britain. I think it's very similar here. It's 78 or 80 or something like that. So uh, over the course of 79 years of life on this planet, if, we're, if you are so blessed to get that, you will spend 33% of that time in bed. And in this study, it actually talks about the amount of time that you spent sleeping and the amount of time you spent trying to sleep, which is, I thought was interesting as well. Go to the next category. This is, the next category is working. This is where, you know, as we're talking about calling and vocation, and we're talking about living out of a sense of calling, living a life worthy of your calling, and we talked a few weeks ago about when your calling and your career meet and you get to live out of that, that's in this category, right? About 19% of our life, our hours in life, are spent at work. I want to say this, only 19%. Yeah, it's shocking, right? Because, you know why? Because you had a long week at work. <laughs> There's one other one here that's even more shocking. We'll get to it here in a second. But before I dive into that too deeply, I got to go to the next one. And this next one, I literally almost changed course on my sermon because of the, this next one this week. Because, because the reality is we spend almost as much time in our, the, the reality of our modern world, and this is this, just the truth, and this is us. Some of you are literally cringing right now. We spend 16% of our time on screens. Now, now, now listen, now I knew, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you. Some of you are saying, yeah, I spent a lot of time at work on my screen. That does not include, it's not included there. This is TV. This is, yeah, some of you are surprised that it's so low. It's TV, it's um, social media, and it's phone, just phones. This is the new reality. And it's not all that new because TV watching has been really, really high for decades now. But we spend an inordinate amount of time on our screens. And I, I literally, I, it was, it's everything in me not to just stop the sermon and preach a different sermon and be like, and, and, and so someday I will. But the reality is we spend a lot of time on our screens, like, like literally almost equal to amount of time of 50, the, the, the working time, by the way, is 50 years in the workforce. Some of you won't even do 50 years. Some of you won't work that long. 
50 years, 40 hours a week in the work, you know, like not even 52 weeks a year, because no one works 52 weeks a year, but like, you know, 48, it's like 48, 47.6 weeks a year or something like that. That's where 19% of our life goes to work. We will spend almost an equal amount of time in screens. In fact, I would argue that we probably would be about equal, because I don't think some of you, some of you, I know you, you're not working that much. <laughs> some of you are. Some of you are, and, and you know, to each their own, right? But, I mean, come on, the reality in our modern world that we're spending as much time in our, like, our, our whole working professions on screens is something that needs to be at least brought up. And, and I, I will bring it up today, but I might not address it. Go, uh, here's the other sad thing about screen time. <laughs> Do you know that about 25% of TV is ads? Which means that, or more, which means, which means that, that, that we might actually spend time, more time, we're in danger of maybe spending more time watching ads than we are the next category, which is vacation, which makes me sick. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so sad, right? We spend about 4% of our life, our, our, weight, our, our hours, it, you know, just on vacation, leisure activity. And then here's some of the other interesting ones. Eating, we spend about 6% of our time eating. I forget how many, what that breaks down to per day. It's like 45 minutes or something like that. Um, we spend about, like, about the same amount of time driving. Not necessarily su surprising. And, and then if you're California, it's 8%. And somehow they have 102% of life. I don't know. Um, and then there's, there's a whole bunch of notable 1%. And this is really fascinating. Do you know that the, this, is, this, is, this is the average, okay? The average person spends about 1% of, uh, in, in, and this is in the United States, 1% of their, their life in school. Now, I know if you're in school, it feels like so much more than 1%. If you're a student or if you're, you're like, if you're a, even in your 20s, you're like, that is BS. I've spent way more of my life, and maybe you have, maybe, you know, postgraduate degrees, that kind of stuff. Um, but around what we only spend, it, it actually only works out to be about 1% of our life is actually in school. And then there's other notable 1%, um, such as exercise. That's about 1%, a little less than 1%. Um, what else is on there? Um, hanging out with friends. Th that was really sad to me. It's like, no, I got to. And I started thinking about, no, I don't. I don't spend more than 1% of my life with hanging out with my, my time hanging out with friends. And then the, the, another notable one is cleaning. What, we spend about 1% of it. We've spent about the same amount of time hanging out with friends as we do cleaning our houses. That's, that's the, the reality of, of, our, of where we're at in life. And, you know, I will say nothing about there's definitely a difference between how much men clean and women clean. I'm just going to leave that right there. I'm not going to say that's good. I'm not going to say that's, you know, it's supposed to be. That's the way got, you know, men versus women. I don't know. You take that for what it's worth. But... Which leaves us with everything, the everything else category, which is about eight years of our lives, or what's the percentage? 12%. That's everything else. That's when we go hiking, tinker on a car, work on our house, play music, play, pay bills, learn Spanish, shop for groceries, read a book, take a nap, go to church, pick up your kids from school, stand in line in the DMV. All of the other things in life fit into that last 12%, and that's about, and, and, and try this on for size and see if it fits, it's about two hours a day that we get to do everything else. 
Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that um, eye-opening a little bit? And, and, and here's the thing. I know, like, some of you are pushing back. Some of you are like, no, 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 no. I don't... I only sleep six hours a day. I, lo- I love hanging out with people who are like, yeah, sleep. I don't need it. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, can I have yours? You know, like, I love sleep. You know, I think sleep's God's gift to us to take, not take ourselves too seriously. Like, oh, and by the way, a 30-year day, you're just going to be laying drooling on a pillow is you know, God's way of, you know, helping us not be too serious in life. But, you know, like, I, I, yeah, sure, you could come and tinker. No, I don't watch that much screen time. The sad part is, is your, the incrimination is right there in your pocket. It'll tell you how much time you spend on your phone. And if you've ever looked at those numbers, you're like, holy smokes, I'm doing something wrong. You know, and, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe we are, maybe we aren't. But here's the deal. Like, how, let, let me just ask you this. How would you like to play with the dials? If I, if I give you a chance to just kind of go up there and do a little woo, and a little woo, you know, what would you change on the pie chart? Where would you want more time? Where would you want less time? You know, where would you change and say, no, that's not what I do, but it, this, is, this is more, probably more reflective of, of how I live my life. And, and here's the thing. My guess would be is if I pass the mic around, we would want more in the working category. Not the kids. If, if the kids in the room would be like, no, 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 no. Like, like, where's the play category, you know? But as adults, we kind of like, I, I would like more productivity. We, I think, I, I, would, I would argue or take a guess or take a stab at it that all of us would like less time on screens, more time being productive or being you know, in the everything else category where we also, you know, because the everything else category, we, we would like to, you know, like we'd like to more in that because there's more, we find value in that category, right? Just the, 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 the free time, the free space. By the way, there's a quote, I, I forgot to say it when it got to the, uh, the screen time thing. It's just proof of this quote from William Penn that says, time is what we value most and use the worst. <laughs> Isn't it true? For a lot of us, time, for a lot of us, time is actually more valuable than our money, especially as we age, because we're like, I don't have as much time as I would like to have, but I have, you know, maybe I don't have tons of money, but I, I, I you feel the sense of like, I have more money than I do time. Time's what we value most, but it, it seems to be what we, we're with the worst with, you know? And, and here's the thing is, is no matter if you could manipulate the dials, play with the chart, change a few things, I think there's two points we would find is, is, is one, we, we favor productivity. We favor getting things done. We favor doing what we want to do most. But the reality is, is even if we tinker with this pie chart, it's not going to look that different. And what the point that I'm trying to make is, there's a little bit of design up there. Even regardless of ours might be a little bit different or like, no, I don't even own a smartphone. Okay, but you still sleep however many days, hours a day. The point is, is there, like, no matter what, if we had each one of these reflecting our own, it would, they would look fairly similar. And my point is, is because it's by design. You know, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a theist even, 
you believe that God created the world, if you believe that God created you, he created, and, and not just he, he was like, ah, eh, but he actually like put time and effort and like purpose in the world and in the universe. If you believe that, that, that means that, that, that there's a designer behind this, behind this pie chart in a sense. Maybe not a few things. There's a few things that he may be like, I don't know if that's what I had in mind. But, but for, like sleeping, working for the certain years of our lives, living a certain amount of time, not forever. Cleaning, learning, uh, eating, drive, you know, like all of these things, there's a design behind it. And here's my question for us as we kind of kick off today. What does the design tell us about the designer? What does this tell us about what we're designed to do? And what does this tell us about how we're designed to to interact with this? Because we're not going to change that too much. And then to kind of... um, reflect it back on and, and, and then here's another thing what does this tell us about the, what does this design tell us about the designer's view of productivity because if you're in the middle of your career right now and you're kicking butt and taking names you're like 19% is not the right number I'm doing way more than that maybe but you also had someone changing your diapers for two years and there was zero product you're like, like you, you probably lost productivity points those years right And in the end of your life, you're going to slow way down. That's just the way of life. So what does that tell us about God? By the way, I have been wanting to use this example in a sermon for like two years, three years now. Because I thought about it one day. I was like, what does this tell us about God's view of productivity? This design, this fact that if we're lucky, not even 20% of our time is like productive in life. Like sleep wallops it. What does that say about the designer? Is it possible that he sees productivity a little bit different than we see productivity? Productivity is is king right now in our lives. In this modern American world, we we want to see things get done. And we, we measure people by what they can get done in a lot of different ways. How does God measure people? How does God measure life? What does this tell us? It's insightful, isn't it? And here's the thing is, is, is I want to, as we talk about it, land this plan on calling, this idea of living a life worthy of the calling that we've received, what does that mean in light of the fact that, of, of this idea of productivity and maybe God has a different idea of productivity than we do? And I want to do something. I want to, I want to reflect it back on, because I want to go back to the four stages of our calling. We've unpacked a few weeks ago, and we unpacked the last couple weeks. Um, we talked about, like, there's four stages to our calling. If, you, if you're new to the discussion, it kind of it starts with searching, being a searcher. You're, you know a little bit about yourself, but you have a lot to learn. And then once you learn about yourself, and you're like, I, I think this is what I'm called to do specifically in life. Then you're kind of in this stage where you maybe don't get a chance to do it right away. You're just a doer. You do. Uh, you get to. You get a job that's just like it, it, it's work. It's just work. It's maybe what you're called to do is maybe not, but you're just going to keep doing it, and that can be for a while. 
and then we talked about when you get to the phase where like your career and your job match with your calling and this is you know like awesome and that's the winner phase that's the winning phase like oh my goodness I get to do what I love or we talked about this too and this is important to note because for a lot of us what this looks like our job isn't exactly like hand in glove with what we want to do and what we're called to do in life but our job enables it it gives us the means to, the time, the flexibility to raise our kids the way we want to, 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 to pour into other ministries, to, to love people around us. And that's how we live our calling. That's, that's in the winning category, too. But let's, let's just take this, let's just take this pie chart, and let's, let's I want to overlay it into this. And, and, and I want us to, because here's the thing. I almost debated not to preach on this idea of searcher, winner, doer, and then the last phase of the wanderer, where you had your dream job and then you lost it. And then once you lose your dream job, it, you, you have a choice to either be like, well, I guess that was fun and I'm done, or you can go back to the searcher or the doer stage and relearn what God has for you next. But you have a choice, you know, and then maybe you'll get back to the winner phase. But but I was talking with somebody last week after the sermon, he and I were chatting, and he and, and he, we were right by the board, and he pointed at the, the winner category, and he's like, Josh, I don't think many people get there. And I want to point that out. I wanted to end this today. This is a perfect time to talk about this. The reality is, is maybe some of us might not ever get there. We might not ever get to the point in our calling where everything, the, 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 the stars align and, and the, what I do from 9 to 5 matches what I'm called to do, matches who I am, matches who, you know, all of these things. But I, and I, again, I debated whether to even bring this up, but I was like, no, it's too wonderful not to talk about. God created us in such a way that this is a possibility. And because it's a possibility, it's worth talking about. It's worth talking about in a way where, like, where I would urge you, plead with you, to do what it takes in life to learn, to search, and, to, and, then, and then in the hard years to just do and not give up hope that this is maybe possible. Because it's worth it to get there and to be in the sense, to wake up in the morning and be like, oh my goodness, I'm doing what God has created me to do. I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to do it. And I decided to put this in, even though it creates a lot of pressure. Today, I want to, I want to kind of hit the release valve on that pressure. Because the reality is, is even in, you guys following me on this? Like, even, even with this pie chart, like, this pie chart helps us to see, okay, best case scenario, you spend 19% of your life working. Not all of those years are in your dream job. Let's just say, let's say, let's give you the benefit of the doubt, and you got half. And that's a lot. I mean, it, 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 some of you are laughing at that. Like, that's a lot. Like, th this guy right here had his dream job, you know, for a little bit, and he's going to get it again. But, like, You've, you've been way less than half your working life. So let's just, you know, give us the benefit of the doubt. Half, let's say 10% of our, our, our life is spent in that winning status. What about the rest? 
For some of us, we'll get 10% of the time. For some of us, we'll get 1%. And for some of us, we might not ever find it. And I want to hit that release valve today and take that pressure off and say, go back to what I said the very first week when it comes to our calling. You are closer than you think. And it's easier than you think. You are closer than you think, and it is easier than you think. In fact, everybody just take a deep breath right now. Just go, this is good stuff to know, but you don't need to let it bother you. You don't need to let it hang over your head and loom. Because the reality is, in the other 90% of your life, and I mean this, there is something you can do that you can to step into your calling and live out of a deep sense of calling. And to present to you what that is, I want to introduce us and reflect on something called the shorter the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Some of you are familiar with it. It's a very Presbyterian thing. I think it came from like 1600, 1647, I have here in my notes. And it's, it's, it's made for the Presbyterian Church. And it's funny because it's called the shorter one, and it still has 107 questions. A catechism or catechesis is a religious, uh, let me look at my notes. It's an oral religious instruction. Oral meaning like you do it in church. And you have to think in the 1600s, paper was expensive. Not many people could read. And so they're like, how do we teach doctrine? How do we teach what it means to be a Christian? And so what they did was, and, and you can call it rote, maybe you grew up in, in more of a religious tradition that did a lot of this kind of stuff where you know, someone stood up in front and read something and then you responded. And, and maybe you don't like that. I actually find that stuff beautiful. I, I love going to churches that do that. There's just something really sacred to me about that. But uh, a catechism is an oral religious instruction or a summary of religious doctrines often formed in questions and answer. So the very first question, there's 107 of them. We're not going through. We're going through one of them today. The very first one, number one, is the first question is, what is the chief end of man? That's what the orator would say in a Presbyterian setting. He'd be like, what is the chief end of man? And the audience would respond, go ahead and put that slide up. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. In fact, let's just do that. I'm going to ask the question, you respond. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You could put a period. In fact, it literally, literally, like when I when I did the research for this sermon, 